Welcome to the Cybersecurity Expert Podcast, where you learn from the best cybersecurity minds, helping MSPs become cybersecurity heroes for your small business clients. And now, here's your host, cybersecurity Sherpa, Jennifer Bleem. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so fortunate to have Phil Burnett on with me today. Phil is a veteran chief information security officer with Highwire Networks. He is very experienced with compliance and compliance related industries. And he's here on behalf of Highwire Networks where they offer a simplified cybersecurity as a service platform. They are a global channel only company and we are gonna be talking about SOC as a service. We'll probably talk a little bit about what a tabletop exercise is and why you need to know that as an MSP or MSSP, and maybe even crack a little bit of a conversation around RMM tools, PSA tools, how to stay safe. So, Phil, are you there? Yes. Excellent. I'm here. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me. Okay, so let's jump right into the whole SOC as a service concept. Even as recently as a couple of years ago, we did not really hear a lot about SOC as a service. We never heard that MSPs needed it. So can you unpack for us a little bit exactly what is SOC as a service and why, why does an MSP need one? Okay, SOC as a service, a lot of people think about it sometimes as hype from marketing. You know, they're moving along from MSP and MSSP and they just add a feature or a function. But it really is more than that because SOC as a service has added uh, automation and, and other, a lot of other things to it that make it more desirable, but also make it more manageable and affordable. So I think what, what we have to understand is if you do uh, a SOC internally to a company, for example, if you're running, trying to set up your own SOC internally, you have to think about the cost. You think about the tool. Those can run hundreds to several hundred thousand dollars, as much as four or 500,000, just to get the tool and get it in. Then you have to have the infrastructure to support it and the training, et cetera. So SOC as a service basically offloads a lot of that headache, but it gives you some guarantees. If you bring in analysts and you hire them and you put them in your, in your staff, there's no guarantee you're gonna get the uh, excellent results or professional results right away that you make, that you should get, I should say, out of a managed uh, a SOC as a service. So for example, uh, when you get somebody onboarded in your SOC as a service platform, you should be getting nearly you know, right away uh, some positive visibility into your environment. You're getting communications at a high technical level, but also a business level, uh, level where you can see uh, you know, performance metrics, all that kind of stuff. And you should see a decrease of events over time as you tune and modify um, the, uh, the, the actual tool in, in what it gives you. So uh, SOC as a service is gonna keep maturing. They're adding XDR, which is you know, the platform that does everything through automation and, and through SOAR capabilities, uh, many things. So I think it's a, it's a new offering. It's not just uh, putting lipstick on a pig, if you wanna say. Mm -hmm. but it's actually providing customers with skill set out of the box with, with, you know, there's always going to be some onboarding issues on uh, unique environments and applications that uh, the customer may have, but it's by far the most economical way to go. And so I think that SOC as a service is here to stay and we're going to continue uh, you know, our own uh, venture there, but also adding uh, intelligence and, and automation. 
Okay, and let's back up because you use an acronym. Was it XDR? Can you describe that, define it for us? For um, XDR, it, it's basically um, a standard uh, name that talks about um, X could be either um, managed or detection or whatever you want to call it, but uh, XDR service um, is where one platform can get all the stuff together and and provide uh, overview, also uh, response with multiple types of uh, tools. For example, uh, endpoint. So you could take your antivirus, you could take things that do behavior analysis, you could do things that are uh, database firewalls, all those other things that people don't typically think about put into one where it becomes a um, detection and response uh, capability. So as we are looking at a SOC as a service provider, are there the top two or three or four things that an MSP or a VAR should be looking at when they are considering various SOC as a service providers? Yes, there is. The, the things that they should look at is uh, viability, look at processes, look at when they're interviewing these people, uh, these companies, for example, to, um, to understand they're there for the long term, not not somebody who's real quick with a flash, uh, flashy tool that wants to get bought up by Big Blue or somebody else. So somebody who has staying power, somebody who has skilled and certified staff. So you look for things like what kind of certifications do the analysts have? Do they have things like EC Council, CSR, or CSA? Do they have SANS? Do they have uh, you know master's degrees or whatever from college? So. Um, you know, excellent writing skills, communicating skills. Those are the type of things you should look at and then ask them uh, what kind of things they measure. Do they measure how long it took to detect, how long to respond, how long to remediate? So you wanna see their operational function and efficiency. So what about things like a vulnerability that the SOC as a service provider has themselves? Is that a, a valid criteria for selecting a provider? How quickly are you going to tell us that there was a breach? What kind of information are you, are you going to share with us as the provider? Sure, sure. A lot of those should be in the statement of work and covered through contractual language because indemnification is something that people like to say, protect me and I don't care much about you. We want to make sure that everybody's covered it and understands their liability and their risk. So when you actually lay these things out, make sure that there are uh, requirements about if your application has a uh, unpatchable or a recently uh, opened up vulnerability, what are your responses? How do you get it fixed? How do you watch it, monitor, and what is the notification process? Okay, so you, you just flirted with something. I'm gonna open up Pandora's box just a little bit without, without doing this on purpose, but you mentioned applications that have a vulnerability. So obviously inside of the IT channel, we've got some concerns with um, how secure are the RMM tools and the PSA tools that, that every MSP is using to, to run their business. And, and we all realize that there is a, um, 
a quote unquote vulnerability there or a, a weakness, if you will, that if we thought like a bad actor for just a second, of course, that would be our, uh, our area of focus, because if we can get in there, then we can get into all of the clients. And so we're starting to see this, this trend where uh, MSPs are being hacked or breached. And so would you be comfortable weighing in a little bit on if you were an MSP, what would you do to keep yourself, your company safe in light of today's threat landscape, specifically with regard to the RMM and PSA tools? Sure, sure. First, to, for the, the listeners, um, define what those are. They're two different tools, but have the same vulnerability type and exploitability. But um, for, for RMM would be remote uh, monitoring and management. And that's more from a technical perspective. They, the MSP or MSP needs uh, access to perform technical things, where as the PSA would be more of about uh, to manage projects, troubleshoot, uh, manage customer relationships, billing, all those kind of things. So they're, they're, they're two tools that are done remotely, but they have two different functions. But the vulnerability, I think a couple of years ago, um, there was a, a one for ConnectWise. And basically what uh, the problem was is the utility that syncs the data between ConnectWise and Kaseya, I think was one of the first ones that they mentioned, uh, was a problem. Well, each of the, 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 the tool was not a problem. It was the connectivity between them. So what you need to do is always make sure that two-factor authentication is used uh, exclusively. Uh, you need to be able to make sure that a bad guy can't get in and do that. So um, that's one. And, and also is, is just hygiene, uh, keeping your firewalls up to date, keeping the ports and protocols, keeping uh, ports below 1024 in your firewall, which are the most common ones. Keep those tuned and keep, keep the doors closed where you can. And anything above. Above that, uh, allow only by exception. So through an ITIL process or another uh, regulated uh, process, if you're in a different world, um, have those processes outlined where you can get the ports closed and that it takes a review of security people plus operational people, so you don't want to kill a business, to make sure that the doors are open that should be and the ones that aren't are closed. And not only that, that they're being watched. So when a port is, is, is uh, being brute forced or they're trying to, to break in, you should get notification that a bad guy is trying to do that. And then you can then trust your SOC as a service if you have one to uh, automate that process to block the, the inbound bad guys. Excellent. So I, I like how you just brought that full circle back to the SOC as a service because I was going to do that if you didn't. So excellent. That those are some, so what I'm hearing is, at a minimum, do the basics that everybody should be doing, the, the multi-factor and locking down ports and monitoring that, not, not just, you know, firewalls and many of these tools are not just set it and forget it. They need to have ongoing management. Now, is that a relatively new um, requirement because of the security landscape? In other words, is it, is it relatively new that you can't just set and forget a firewall? Uh, no, I think it's ever, uh, ever since they first created these things way back in the day, um, there's always been that um, there's 65,535 doors. You got to keep them all closed because the bad guys are looking and sniffing on every one of them. And you can also see outbound traffic from that, that somebody internally 
has done something that they they either knowingly or unknowingly uh, have done. They opened up a port on the way out and you can see uh, connections to bad domains or other malware command and control that are out in the, in the dark web or out in the, the universe and uh, keeping an eye on that. But um, it's, it's definitely a uh, discipline uh, approach. And my former experience working with the, the military and the government was ports and protocols are probably one because that's where they first get in. So make sure that they can't get in and, and watch it and update it. But, uh, you know, there are things like Heartbleed back in the day and others that uh, will come up. There will be vulnerabilities that you're not ready for, but you should be ready to fail fast and recover quickly. Meaning that the first time somebody tries to knock on the door for that particular vulnerability, you're already aware of it and understand how to respond. So let's shift then to talking about vulnerability assessments from the angle, not for the MSP doing it for their end users, but from the angle of MSPs doing it for themselves. So can you talk to us a little bit about what is a vulnerability assessment and perhaps a couple of examples of what an MSP might discover if they, they perform one of these assessments on their own company? Well, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. There, there's a lot of types of vulnerability scanning and assessments that you can do all the way from simple point and shoot to the, you know, from the outside to see what responds all the way to automated uh, penetration testing that's included with a uh, vulnerability assessment, which is one of the services that, that we have. And basically it not only looks at what's available from the outside, but also does a, a routine type of penetration test to see if they can get in. And if they do, the report from that tells the MSP, hey, your, your ports and protocols are pretty good, but we saw uh, a potential for X, Y, and Z, you probably need to get on this. So like every customer out there and MSP, MSSP, you have to have a monthly uh, scanning system and somebody to review it and then the infrastructure people to implement the, the, the fix actions. Because if you don't, they compound. And then the bad guys find one little opening and then they, they leverage it to the next and to the next and to the next. And their, their, their mission in life is to steal your credentials, escalate themselves as high as they can in the environment. And this is MSPs or end users, clients, customers. But the biggest uh, payback for, for the bad guys is if they get an MSP, they automatically through uh, stealing credentials could potentially get into the customer uh, clients databases and such like they did uh, back in the day for, um, I think it was 2017. There was one uh, where Reddit posted where a ransomware crippled a single SP, uh, MSP's entire uh, client database. So those things can happen and they happen fast. Mm -hmm. So monthly hygiene, maintenance, and reporting to your uh, compliance officer, making sure that you're feeding that data back because those were in the audit documentation and artifacts. That's where those should be maintained. Got it. Okay, perfect. So, so where does Highwire Networks come in? What are some of the services that you provide to MSPs and MSSPs? And then how can they reach out to you if they want more information? Uh, yeah, uh, we go to highwirenetworks.com for your basic webpage. You can see the listing of everything that we provide. But focusing today just on the Overwatch part of, of the company is the part that, that I'm concerned with, um, is, is SOC as a service. We also have 
vulnerability. We have TNM services we can offer to help uh, build tabletop exercises, help you uh, figure out how to build those, which are simulations, which I'd like to point out is, is only a moment in time and should be targeted for a specific thing, like you added a new network or new firewall or something, rather than trying to do a wall-to-wall -wall penetration test that includes you know, failover firewalls, et cetera. But you have a topic, you have a goal in mind, and you build a plan that says, how would you respond in the event that we change this, this infrastructure and we scanned it and found something? How do you respond? How do you get it through your work processes to get it fixed? So we have those kind of services plus a whole bunch more. Uh, and I'd love to talk to anybody that wants to uh, find out more about what we have. We do POCs and, and a lot of stuff that, uh, that I think would be exciting for some of the customers. Now, I know we're a little bit tight on time, but let's talk about tabletop exercises for just a minute, because I, I talk to a lot of MSPs and MSSPs every single week, and I can count on one hand the number of those companies that have actually been through a tabletop exercise. So what is that, and should every IT company go through that, and if so, how often? Well, I, I think the best way to describe it is a, a tabletop exercise um, has team members that, that meet uh, informally or in the classroom or something to discuss, to, to discuss what the roles and responsibilities are for a particular event. It could be something for uh, it, it, as benign as like weather events or it could be major breaches or catas catastrophic penetration of their environment. It could be insider threat where they discovered one of their people in the infrastructure group, a DVA, whoever, uh, has put a logic bomb in their environment, which is, which is basically uh, a malware or an application that he's developed a script or something that will perform some kind of uh, action at a, at a given point in time. And there's been some, some stories about those where hospital administrator, uh, IT admins that is, uh, would leave stuff behind and all of a sudden it shut down their sensors and, mm. and all their servers. So those are kind of things that are possible, but you would just figure out ahead of time what part of your um, environment do you want to test? And that's usually dictated by looking at a business impact assessment. What, what do you do as a company? That make, how do you make money? Find those resources, assets, people, processes, and then pick a few of them to pick on to see if they're resilient. See if you change something that they're expected to do. And uh, for example, if you have somebody unexpectedly out who's a critical role member, how do the other team members adapt and understand what that responsibility is? It could be something as simple as a scribe at, at a tabletop exercise. That's somebody just taking and writing down, keeping notes of the exercise. You'd be amazed if somebody's not doing that, how out of whack you can get quickly. So tabletop basically is a, a demonstration in a room and you can have video or you can have paper, whatever you want to have to, to test a process and then perform continuous improvement. So is that something that every IT company should perform um, if, if they're going to be security centric? They, they should do it um, at least once a year. And because they, they, like HIPAA calls out, you need a, uh, a, a penetration test, a failover, full uh, backup test or response once a year. So tabletop exercises every quarter can help prepare them for that as they go through and say, okay, 
uh, our firewalls up to date and that's we can do a failover of the firewalls this weekend do a test and then review it or they can do something as simple as uh, some uh, some documentation that says hey we got this kind of virus on this machine what do we do we got uh, we responded we had eight servers that are totally compromised do we have good backups are we sure they're air gapped because the bad guys always go after the backups once they gain a foothold mm -hmm. things like that can be illuminated and I think yes every IT company should incorporate these and uh, they're not that hard to do but you have to be dedicated and make sure that you are following them grading them and re re reporting back uh, to your executives on the improvement that you make similar to, to like phishing uh, testing where you mm -hmm. can uh, you know send out to your environment and you see what the click rate is well same thing with these type of things you report back successes and and challenges perfect all right so if we have a listener who wants more information on highwire networks what's the best way for them to reach out to you highwirenetworks.com forward slash overwatch is probably the best uh, url or they can reach me uh, yeah, on that webpage or, or reach out to any of us. Uh, mine's philip.burnett at highwirenetworks.com. Excellent. I very much appreciate your time. I know you are super busy, so I appreciate you carving out a little bit of time for us to chat. My pleasure. I love doing this. I love educating and helping people get better. Thank you. Fantastic. To learn more about how you can become a cybersecurity hero for your clients, request your hero assessment today. MSPSalesRevolution.com forward slash hero.